0: We've talked about community for the the last uh, month, and we're going to do a bit of a a wrap-up and perhaps an explanation of, uh, in a more real-world sense this morning. But one of the things we've done as part of community is to do the NCLS survey, which is the National Church Life Survey. Now, uh, I'm not privy to any of the answers of this survey, but I am privy to the number of people who have filled in uh, a survey, and we're sitting at... Uh, somewhere about 35% at the moment of people who have uh, been sent out an email with the details to do it online. Uh, now, the NCLS have said they're not going to close that until the end of this month. So don't forget, this, this is a survey, it's not a, it's not a census or anything, but the reason it's important, especially to Vicky and I, is that it actually gives us a starting place to make changes in our community. Because, I don't know, who here recognises that a church community should change? Good. Uh, But it's hard to know where to go unless you know where you're coming from. And that survey actually gives us a great picture of what's working well, what's not working well, what we need to change, what we might need to keep the same or do more of. Um, And so it's a really great tool just to help us uh, and our leaders uh, move our church forward in new directions and I don't know whether you've noticed but things are changing rapidly in the world and so we need to be on top of those sort of things so if you have received one of those emails but you haven't filled in the survey could I urge you and implore you to actually please do that this week because the more feedback we get the better able we are to actually move forward uh, and uh, make our community a better community. Um, if you haven't got an email and or you've lost it and you wish to do that, just email me at info at c3norwood.org.au and I'll send you out the details. Sounds good. Have you done it yet?
1: Of course.
0: <laughs> I haven't because I get to do the, the last one. But um, uh, So, just, just to introduce what, what we're going to talk about this morning, the last three weeks We've we've looked at various aspects of being a faith community. uh, And we started with God's vision for a community of humankind and what that entailed. Uh, We looked at the contrast between the Exodus community and the Acts community. And we looked at how it's vital that a a healthy community has unity and generosity as part of its makeup. And then we talked about the fact that we should be a risk-taking community. Uh, We need to risk getting to know God. We need to risk... Uh, the fact that we're a church community full of hypocrites. Um, you all seem to enjoy that that particular bit. Uh, and we need, also need to risk taking God at his word. Uh, and last week we talked about the fact that we need to operate in such a way that pleases God. Uh, and that he's looking for genuine prayer, genuine worship, and using our faith to actually do things that please him. So uh, we're going to talk a bit about that.
1: Well... When you talk about risk, because we, we talked about that, as you said... Yes. La- ..last week, the week before, wasn't it? What sort of risks are we talking about here that we need to take to still be a vibrant community?
0: That's, that's a, anybody else had that question? When I talk about risk, what do I mean? Is it life and limb? Um, well, funnily enough, if, if you look at the, the Exodus story the biggest risk that the Israelites uh, didn't take was the risk of knowing God. I mean, they met God Yahweh at Mount Sinai and he invited all of them, not just Moses, he invited all of them up the mountain to get to know him. And they all balked at the idea and said, no, no, we're just going to send Moses, you tell him what to do and he'll tell us and we'll do everything you say. Lie, lie, pants on fire. Um, and And so... Actually getting to know God intimately and deeply is one of the risks we need to take, because it is risky, because he is God. If anybody ever read the Narnia series, you know, the lion Aslan in in that series represents God. And one of the the mantras that the people of Narnia tell people who, who disrespect Aslan is, they say, he's not a tame lion. And we have to take that attitude with God, our God isn't a tame God. He's not somebody who's reigned into our expectations. He is, he is a God in the wild. <laughs> and we are called into his kingdom to interact with him. And that's actually quite risky. So that's one of the risks. Um, and I think the other thing is being open to people, being open to uh, helping people uh, and to be open to the pain that that brings sometimes. Um, And just to be open to other people's needs before ours, all of these things as a community are risks that we need to take outside, inside the churches, but outside it as well. To be accepting of people, not necessarily accepting of what they do, but to recognise that that God loves everybody. He doesn't just love the church. He, He actually created the church to show his love to people not in the church. And that's risky. We, we, we risk getting hurt, we risk getting laughed at, we risk getting all, all sorts of negative things coming our way. But I, I think they're the sorts of risks we need to take.
1: What, so we, we were talking the other day and saying, what sort of risks do we not take? Like, uh, what are some of the things that...
0: No jumping off cliffs. <laughs> um, well, actually that's an interesting question. As a community, I don't think we should be risky theologically. Um, And that's that's easy for some people. As a church, our faith is based on a, a staircase, if you like, of three things. The first thing, our faith is based on theology. And theology, as the word implies, is our knowledge of God. We get that from God's word. And from theology, we get our doctrine which is basically how we express what, what God has said to us. And out of our, our theology, out of our sorry our doctrine, we get our ideology. And our ideologies of different churches can be quite different from the same doctrine and even the same theology. Some churches say, well, go out into the street corners and preach, preach in Rundle Mall. Others say, no, go and speak to your neighbour and, and invite people one to one and various shades in between. Now it doesn't, just because, and we often don't like other churches' ideologies because they don't match ours, but the mistake we make is to say that they actually have poor theology because of it, where it's, it's, it's not that at all. A great example is salvation. I mean, we know that Jesus, Jesus talked about it, among many other things, but he ended in Matthew saying, you know, go out into all the world and preach the gospel to anything that lives and breathes, basically. And so the church has formed a doctrine out of that. And the doctrine is that as we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, one of our, our main um, expressions of his love is to tell other people about Jesus. But the ideology of each church is quite different. Because ideology, it's one of those words that you know, sends shivers up people's spines. It sounds, it's, ideology is, is what's happening in Ukraine. Um, differences in ideology are what cause wars and, and, and conflict and all that sort of thing. Um, which is sad in a way, because all ideologies is how you manifest or how you actually outwork your beliefs in the community. And so, how different churches do that is fine, and, and we often sort of laugh or, or criticize other churches because their ideology is different to ours. But really, we shouldn't. We should actually check to make sure that their theology is the same as ours, and if that's the case, they can do what they like, and we should actually champion their cause. And that's the, the same with all sorts of things. Social, social justice, a lot of ch- churches uh, are into marching, waving placards. Um, that's not my thing, but if the, that's their thing and they're doing it for the, the right theological reasons because their doctrine is sound, then good on them. Uh, they're, they're doing something which they believe uh, they have a doctrine that enables them to do that. And so, you know, we've, we've got to be careful about that and the hard thing is that what the world attacks in the church is our ideology because like most people in the church the world doesn't have any idea what our theology is and and most churchgoers don't ever dig terribly deeply into theology they accept the church's doctrine and ideology without going that far which is which is a mistake by the way you should all be doing that um but the world's ideology attacks the church's ideology. And it's actually okay for us as a church to change our ideology to reflect what's happening in the world. We need to be sensitive to what people are doing and change how we do things to make sure that we can still effectively share the gospel. But what we've got to be careful of is that the world's ideology attempts to reverse the process by changing our ideology to change our theology. Yep. And you might think, well, that's, 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 that's a crazy thing. But guess what? It happened in Genesis. What did the snake say to Eve? Did God really say? And that's, that's what we've got to be careful of because the world doesn't just say you're doing the wrong thing. What they're, what they're trying to tell us is, did God really say? And that is the thing I think that we have to guard against them. Those are the risks we shouldn't be taking, the risks of actually um, having our theology changed. Um, is that short enough? <laughs> Would you like to add That, w-
1: that was no, that? Was, that? N- no, I was going to say give us an example, but you've kind of covered...
0: Yeah, oh, well, I mean, there are lots of things that uh, have become uh, normal in today's world that uh, are becoming social... Uh, social norms I guess in fact often I think they're becoming social imperatives uh, which i think is is dangerous um, but that's fine to adapt to that sort of thing but when those social imperatives uh, attack uh, a sound theological basis then I think we we actually do have to stand up and say no, no there is a line in the sand somewhere um, and while we're you know we're not prepared we're prepared to change our ideology um, but you know you have to be very careful when somebody when the world actually says did God really say um, and I think um, that's where and that's that, that you we, like, we that's need to risk. know what God yeah, really we, said that that's a risk yeah. if we don't know what God said then we are susceptible to that sort of thing. So we, our, our theology actually has to be strong. We need to be a church that actually looks into those sort of things. It's one of the reasons I, I advocate a, a Bible project as, as a great organisation to use to study the Bible because the, their, their interest and their, their sole interest is not in the doctrine of the church because the doctrines vary all over the place, but the, they, they focus on what the biblical authors were trying to say and how that affects how we understand what God said. And if we've got that sort of basis, then our doctrine and our ideology coming out of that uh, will actually be very strong. And I think that's, that's a, a core community uh, value that we, sh- we should encourage and have and work on.
1: So how do we please God then? What, what sort of things please God
0: in this um, genuineness I mean we, we I talked on Sunday about the fact that um, it's not faith that pleases God but without faith we can't please God it's what we do with our faith that pleases God and if, if you do something with faith it's, it's genuine worship because you're worshiping in faith it's genuine prayer because you're praying in faith you know prayer meetings are great but if you're coming along just because it gets you a tick on, on the pastors you're a good person box um, then th- that's really great. Um, but it's not pleasing to God, it's only pleasing to the pastor. Um, and uh, I-, I take those ticks and I give them to God and say, can you-, can you tick these as well? And some of me doesn't tick. <laughs> and you know who you are. <laughs> no, sorry, I shouldn't say that. But it, yeah, he's after it, genuineness in our It's interesting when
1: you ask yourself that question, though, isn't it, what pleases God? Like, you can apply that to so many areas of your life, not just this community here, but in your own life. Yes. Is what I'm doing right now pleasing to God? Is the way that I'm treating that person at work pleasing to God? Are the words that are coming out of my mouth pleasing to God? And it's, it, it, it's like, that's a huge question. Mm. And, oh. and, it, and it, it evokes, certainly in me, and I'm, I'm sure it does for you, you, you it evokes change. Like, you've, you've got to really think about what you're doing, what you're saying, how you're going about life. Is my life pleasing to God? Yeah. Am I reflecting Him in, in what I do?
0: And that can vary enormously. I mean, look at the last couple of years. Um, things have changed.
1: Well, I mean, this morning's an incredible example. I mean, as you said, we turned up this morning to know that probably the largest number since COVID are actually not here today due to Hello. taking taking PCR tests or waiting for results or or have covid or whatever and you know thank goodness that we have online and and people yeah. can can join us that way but but the community over the last couple of years has has completely changed and and I know we keep talking about this but you know mm. we talked about it at the beginning of February when we had I Love My Church Sunday and we had that message from Lars Halverson in in Darwin just saying to us that, you know, coming back to church after the last two years, every church around this nation and indeed every church around the world does not look like it did two years ago. We do not have a full... Congregation sitting in our church. We have people joining us online. We have people not coming for various reasons. We have people leaving for various reasons. We have there's just so many changes, and I'm I'm not here to to make any comment about that because most of those reasons are really valid reasons. A lot has happened, and and it's meant that things are different. Mm. But we're not looking at the same community now as we did two years ago, and yet. Right now, we have this incredible opportunity uh, to bring people to know Christ, to bring people into this community or or indeed any church community where we're we're seeing a time that we've never seen before. And I think we need to really recognise the opportunity that is before us right now and this is one of the messages that we are trying to really get through in these, these early months of this year, and indeed a lot of this year, where we want to be able to open our eyes, every one of us, wherever we are, whether we're, whether we're at home, whether we're here, whatever, wherever we find ourselves, we want to recognise the opportunity that is before us rather than mourning of perhaps what seems like we've lost certain things this is an opportunity for people to meet Jesus. This is an opportunity that we've never seen before, and yet we're the people of God that carry the message. So how can we, as individuals, look at ways that we can carry the message of hope and love to a a world that's hurting, and and indeed people that are hurting? Um, And, you know... We're going to talk more about this in the coming weeks and months, aren't we? About, yeah. about ways that we can go about that. But I, I think, first of all, just recognising that each of us have a, a personal responsibility before God to bring that message of hope and love to others. And so re- really, really taking that on board and thinking about what can we do right now as individuals to carry that message to others. And it might might be just that, um, you know, there might be an opportunity to bring somebody to church. But there also might be an opportunity to bake some scones and take them to your neighbour. Somebody at work may have COVID and you may be able to do something that actually changes their life in that moment because there's there's a message of care that goes with whatever you do. I mean, maybe there's, a little, maybe there's a scripture that you can, you can leave for somebody um, as you deliver something. Maybe there's opportunity to bring people to, to dinner parties. There's always that opportunity yeah. for prayer, as we've been praying the last month for, um, for, for workers, for, workers for, the, yeah. for the harvest. But, the, you know, the, the labourers are few. But where are the people that have to go out. And so we need to have that prayer on our hearts every day, Lord, send me. And, and I think this is the vital message right now is that God is calling us into this place as individuals and saying, I am with you. I have not forgotten you. I know there's a lot going on. And as we, we said in prayer this morning, there's a lot happening in the world. There's a lot to pray about. There's a lot of needs right now around the, around the world.
0: I think, well, but I think it's changing our attitude too. Yeah. Because you, you think back to the beginning of COVID. I mean, we had, I think, about a week's notice that we were going to be locked down. In that week, the whole of the church community got together. We bought cameras, we bought sound equipment, we bought ring lights for iPhones. Uh, we uh, stayed up you know, night after night in the ministry centre across the road recording messages for use um, in, in lockdown. Uh, th- there was, and we recorded songs, we worked out how to do songs over Zoom. The, there was a huge amount of effort that went in, to, and, and that effort was focused on the fact that we did not want people to miss out on worshipping right. God, on praying together, on, on being yep. community. But the trouble is what happens on the out- other side of that as the, as the crisis dissipates, we relax. And we've got used to doing some crisis things that are really good. We, we, we can, you know, if we don't feel like going to church in the morning, we can just sort of turn the computer on and zoom in. Hi, I'm here, <laughs> sitting in my pyjamas, having a coffee, but I'm still at church. I, I feel this is, you know, great. Um, we, we've sort of lost a, a large number of volunteers because um, people have taken the opportunity to have a bit of a rest, which is, which is fine, um, But what we've actually got to recognise is that at the end of that crisis, we have now hit another crisis. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't feel like a crisis. And the crisis is that we actually have to rebuild a different church community. And it's a crisis because we don't know how we're going to do it. It's a crisis because the situation, not just in the world, but in our immediate community, is still in flux because of of government regulations, because of a, a virus that doesn't obey any rules. Um, th- there's all sorts of things happening, and, and by the way, uh, uh, just my point of view, I don't think we can blame the government for that. Um, we've got to be very careful where we where we put our criticisms. I think, um, but it, it's still a fl- but it's, it's a. It's a crisis nonetheless, but it's a crisis that we actually should be rejoicing in because we know the answers to it. We know that prayer is a great answer. We've got that that, that prayer card, but unless we see that as a crisis, that we actually pray that, and and that it it requires, you know, something's got to give, something's got to happen. Those workers have got to come. That prayer has got to be desperate Uh, that that we encourage people to start getting back involved in community, to start reaching out to people who have stopped coming to church and re-invite them. Mm-hmm. Um, that may not work there 's a statistic out there that says people who are uh, only about fifty percent of the people who have stopped coming to church will actually come back to the same church that they left um, that doesn 't mean we shouldn 't try
1: well, the other stat is that between thirty and eighty percent of congregation the number sorry start that again the number that congregations are down at yes. the moment is between thirty and eighty percent so Globally,
0: So that's a crisis, um, but uh, fortunately it's a crisis that we have the tools to, to work with and, and we've actually just got to have an attitude change that it is actually a crisis, because I think you know, people work better if, there's a, if they, they sense urgency, um, if, the, if there's a task for them to do, and I think we have to, we have to turn this, this what looks like a slow progression back into some sort of normality, into a crisis where we actually have to prepare for what is going to be, uh, I'm not going to use that phrase, um, a new reality, (laughs) if you like. Um, And I think if we handle this correctly, we can actually put ourselves as, as a faith community in a position where we can be a place where people want to come, that we can provide tools for people to get back on track with physical health, mental health, all all sorts of different things that uh, isolation and uncertainty has brought into people's lives and to to reassert in people's minds. We don't have to reassert into God's mind because he knows he's still on the throne, but we have to remind people that God is on the throne, that Mm -hmm. all of these conflicts and and natural disasters and, and illnesses and diseases that have permeated the world are not surprises to him. Um, but that He is with us through yep. all of that, yep. and that if we can take that on board, then we can actually um, lead people out of this current crisis. And, and I believe if we can if we can think of it as a crisis, crises spark ideas, mm. innovation, um, and um, fortitude in people. Mm. And so I think we need to rise. up. We need up. to be
1: asking God that daily, yes. don't we, God? Send me, but mm. what do you want? What, how can I support in this? How, how, what can I do to support my church? What can I do to support those around me? How can I be part of the answer here? And, we, and that's an individual thing. It's not just for us to do. This is for us as individuals. God's calling us all to this, yeah. to this place, to rise up.
0: And there, there are things that we can all do as individuals as well i think uh what was that question that that you said it was it was good that people had been asking you
1: how do i support you
0: yeah yeah, that, yeah. that's a it's a great question to ask i mean it's a great question to ask us we'll, we'll tell you um but even just other people how can i help you what can i do to support you uh, mm. find out what the needs are um or, or just have a vision for a need in in your neighbourhood. I, I know um, there are people in our church who are doing that uh, right now, um, and and they might need support. I don't know. It's a it's a good question to ask. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, absolutely.
0: But moving forward, I think we need to be proactive in in that. The, the, the messages that I've preached over the last month. I mean, it's great to to see what the bible says about community and and how god is obviously uh his plan from the very beginning was to have a community that was an example to the world so that the whole world could join that community that that's god's plan Um, but we have to break it down eventually to you know what are we going to do and and it's it's the simple things really it's to have a good theology in other words we need to be reading the word we need to be getting stuck into the Bible in our, in our dinner parties you know, uh, or or just make groups. I mean, I'm quite happy to lead a, a group of people on a night during the week who want to study the Bible more. Um, and if that's you, come and talk to me about it. We can see if we can organise something. Uh, but you don't have to organise it with me. Organise it in a, as people from your dinner party or people from other dinner parties, uh, people of like mind to do these things. Um, but we need to start doing them. And I think this is, this is where you know, the rubber meets the road. We need, we need to be praying. Um, at the moment, we haven't had any uh, weekly prayer meetings because we're, we're aware of, especially during COVID and even before that, people were coming to those because it was, it was a show of support for the church. You come to a prayer meeting, it shows, shows you're on board, um, which is great. But I don't think it actually led to powerful prayer in those times. And so we're looking at ways of making every meeting we do more focused on prayer to give people, you know, what uh, Bailey was talking about in worship to actually you know, uh, feel the presence of God in what they're doing, humble ourselves to let God speak to us as well as just yep. speaking to Him. Uh, all those sort of things uh, are important as we move forward. A lot,
1: there's a lot to think. There's yeah. a lot
0: to think about at the moment. So we're just getting started with it. We don't have to do all this at once, but we need to recognise that as a community, we've actually got to start changing things, and, and to actually um, move forward, and and be in each other's lives. And any, and even if it's um, people who aren't here, who are online at the moment because they can't be here, uh, we shouldn't forget them. I mean, poor old Jess Wood out there is in isolation. She's got COVID. Um, but, you know, Vicky went there yesterday and she s- sat there outside the window and, and yelled at Jess through the open window as she sat on the couch just to cheer her up. Uh, we, we can we can do things like that uh, and still be you know, a, a physical and real help to people. And so we want to encourage you to keep doing that. This this format is actually just a bit of an experiment. We, we want to keep doing this sort of every... Th- four four weeks or so um, just to actually break down and and not to interview each other we actually want to interview uh, people in in our church community to find out what their passions are what they're what they're doing helpfully hopefully encourage other people to take on board uh, perhaps some of the passions of the people around us um, to do stuff so a bit of an experiment we'll see how that works Um, but that's it yeah we'll, we'll see from there before we finish uh, I just want to uh, make that point, especially to people online this morning. We've talked about the importance of having a good theology. Um, and, of course, theology comes from, you know, it's, it's knowing God. It's knowledge of God. It's actually understanding God. And to do that, uh, um, we're not, I don't believe we as a church are called to do that from an academic perspective. Uh, we're actually called to know God that to, to be a follower of Jesus is not to follow an idea, it's not to follow a, 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 a doctrine or an ideology, it's to follow a person. And to follow any person, we need to get to know him. And so if, you know, if you're online and you're sitting there thinking, well, the idea of community sounds great, and the idea of following Jesus sounds great, but I don't know Jesus. Uh, how do I get to know him? One of the, the best ways is there'll be a, a, a button in the chat Uh, as you're watching if you press that button a member of our team will actually be able to speak with you privately about this and they can lead you uh, on in the steps that uh, help you uh, get to know Jesus acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior and start to become a a a vibrant follower of Jesus Christ so you can do that and if you're here in person and you want to do the same thing you want to you want to find out more about Jesus you want to find out how you can follow him uh, how you can become close to him, how you can have the Holy Spirit guiding your life, please come and speak to me uh, at the end of the service and I'd love to uh, discuss that with you further.